Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Spirit who fell on his people on this day of Pentecost. Go ahead and have a seat. So last week here at Connect, we started a series called Extra, um, and we looked at Colossians chapter 1, how Paul talked about how both Jesus and us are extraterrestrials, that we are, we are out of this world. Now today, as we continue our extra series, and as we make our way into Colossians chapter 2, uh, we're going to be talking about the extra life that God's given us through Christ. Um, now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the words extra life, uh, there's kind of one sound. That's not it. There's one sound. I hear that a lot, but there's one sound that comes to mind. You ready? You ready, kids? I hope this works. All right. Extra life, right? So uh, for all of you who don't know what that sound was, all three of you here today, um, that's the sound you hear when you get a one-up or an extra life in the Mario Brothers video games. Uh, you can find these in, in different hidden places throughout the levels. You can win them in mini games. Um, you can even earn them by getting 100 coins. And so you can get all these extra lives. Of course, even with a lot of extra lives, you still might find yourself at the game over screen. Um, some years ago, Emily and I got the, the Super Mario Brothers game for the Wii, kind of that throwback one. You remember that? The nostalgia kind of returned to the side scrolling. It was very cool. So uh, when we would play it, Emily would usually be Luigi. And uh, probably, you know, in part because of her rusty skills and... Um, Definitely because I, as Mario, would pick her up and throw her down the holes as often as I could. Um, she would get to the game over screen every now and then. But it wasn't really game over because you could use a continue. And if you use a continue, Luigi would say, I'm a back. I'm a back. So uh, Emily and I, by the way, still use that phrase with each other every now and then just for fun. Just kind of let you know how cool your pastor is. Um, <laughs> Well, in our text for today, um, Paul, in Colossians 2, talks about the extra life that God has given us. Uh, really, how he's given us a continue. He's given us a new lease on life that, that we didn't earn with a hundred coins or with our good works or anything else. And there's another difference, too. God doesn't give us another chance to beat the game. Jesus has already beaten the game for us. What God gives us is victory and eternal life that truly is extra. As we talked about last week, extra is a Latin word that means beyond. It's beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Jesus has come, as we heard in our gospel lesson, that we may have life and have it, have it abundantly, have it to the full. So let's get into Colossians chapter 2 together. Um, and as we do, I'd invite you to get out your, your sermon outline on that Connect insert there's some fill-in-the-blanks for you there if you'd like to uh, follow along and put those in there. But at the top of that page, and also stick it up on the screen here, are a couple of verses uh, that I'd like us to read together. So would you read this with me, either on your sheet or on the screen? And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So I thought about putting up some verses from Acts where it's like Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, because I like read that and pretended I know what I'm talking about. Would have been great to hear like 400 people trying to say those words together. But this is kind of more what we're talking about today. Um, so as you'll notice, with the help of the bold text, God, or through Paul, God tells us kind of two things about ourselves, two very simple but very important things. One, we were dead, and two, what? God has made us alive. Uh, in fact, in our Lutheran confessions, with pa- which Pastor Kaiser was talking about in our Disciple Tip video today, um, they say that this is how Paul almost always talks about conversion and renewal, this, this dead and, and being made alive. So for example, in Ephesians, which is a letter that's very similar kind of in the structure and the content um, as Colossians is, uh, Paul says, again, you were dead but God has made us alive together with Christ. In other words, we have been given extra life, and it can never be taken away. So today is Pentecost, the day that we celebrate the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, where he rushed down with a mighty rushing wind, or, where he started to burn in this fire kind of above his, his apostles that in this kind of incredible way, he started to burn in the souls of, of all the people there. Uh, open the mouths of the apostles to speak the good news about what Jesus has done in all sorts of different languages. Uh, we heard some about that day in our reading from Acts chapter 2. Our songs kind of have been focusing on uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit with us today. Now, even though our reading from Colossians 2 today doesn't specifically or explicitly mention the Holy Spirit, um, he's really there all over the place, kind of in the, in the background, behind the scenes, as he so often likes to be. And so, as I mentioned, the section that we're going to really be focusing on starts um, in verse 6. And can you read this with me too? Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So let's talk about that first part first, receiving Christ Jesus the Lord. On that first Pentecost, about 3,000 people received Christ Jesus the Lord when Peter invited them to repent and be baptized and to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, here in Colossians 2, uh, Paul kind of begins by talking about Jesus, and then he talks about what that means for us, just like he did last week in chapter 1. So in verse 9 of chapter 2, Paul says, For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Paul's kind of going back to that theme that he introduced in chapter 1, that that Jesus is fully God and and full of all of God's power. And then in verse 10, he says, And you have been filled in him. We have been filled in Christ, the one in whom the fullness of God dwells bodily, the one who has all rule, all authority. And the scriptures make it clear that the way that the Jesus fills us is through his spirit, with his spirit. Last week we heard Jesus' promise in Acts chapter 1 right before his ascension that that power would come down upon the disciples and upon us. And today, the day of Pentecost, that's when that was fulfilled for the disciples. And it's also fulfilled in us. In Ephesians, kind of that companion letter, if you will, to Colossians, uh, Paul tells us this. Be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And that's precisely what's happened to us. The Holy Spirit has filled us with the fullness of Christ, and we've been given power over sin and death and the devil. 
But how has the Spirit given us this power? How have we been filled with the Spirit? Well, in the next couple of verses, Paul answers this question. He talks about a circumcision made without hands, uh, which at first really just sounds kind of irresponsible, doesn't it? Like the doctor was like, look, no hands. Um, Thankfully, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a different, a new kind of circumcision. Now, as a quick review, circumcision in the Old Testament was a, a special covenant God made with his people. It was something that was done to physically mark his people as God's covenant people. It was meant as, as a reminder that Israel was set aside to be God's very own. They were holy. And it was done when an Israelite boy was eight days old. But when Jesus came, circumcision as, as a mark of God's people was set aside in place of something else, something, something far better. And that's what Paul's getting at here. This circumcision made without hands, he calls the circumcision of Christ, and he says that it is baptism. For the Christian, baptism is the new circumcision, and it's not performed by a doctor or or by a moil, but, but by the Spirit of God. In baptism, like in circumcision, one is marked as a child of God. And just as the eight-day-old Israelite boys didn't choose to get circumcised, so also we bring our children to receive the gifts of God's covenant as part of his people. In fact, we got to see that today with Isaac being brought forward here. And he, he's not eight days old. He's a little older than that, but not by a whole lot. He, he came and, and received God's spirit and God's wonderful gifts. So in baptism, we receive, the, we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, now, through the Spirit. But in addition to receiving the Spirit, Paul says that something else is happening in baptism as well. Uh, he says that we are buried with Jesus in baptism. He says that in baptism, we died with Jesus. We died to all sin. We died to death itself. And kind of paradoxically and, and beautifully, this death makes us alive. Because, Paul says, we were also raised with Jesus through faith. This means that through baptism, we become involved in the death of Jesus. We are are buried in his grave. And the tomb of Jesus really kind of becomes this, this big mass grave of sinners that are buried with Jesus so that we may be raised with him. So that means that, that Christ's resurrection becomes our resurrection In baptism, we are made alive by burial. So as you you watched Isaac kind of get splashed with water a few times as as God's words were spoken, um, a lot was happening. But it didn't really look like much, did it? Just some simple water. Well, there's a book that Emily and I read recently, and uh, then we went and watched the movie. It just became a Steven Spielberg movie a couple months ago. Uh, Ready Player One, have any of you read this or seen this? Okay, cover your ears if you're going to. A little bit of a spoiler alert, but um, in the book, the kind of the protagonist is living in this virtual reality, and um, at this one point, he, he's given this coin, and there's all these amazing things you can get in this world, and this coin just looks like nothing. You can't even read what's on it. He, he almost throws it away because it didn't really look like much, but it ends up being exactly what he needs because it turns out to be an extra life. 
Well, baptism, which doesn't really look like much, is the main way that God brings to us and conveys to us the extra life that he's won for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. In baptism, we share in Christ's resurrection because we have been joined to Christ in his death. A death that, as we read earlier together at the beginning of the message, canceled the record of debt that stood against us. The picture that Paul is giving us here is kind of of this handwritten notice of of what's owed. Kind of these dumb and dumber style IOUs that we never could have hoped to repay. But on the cross, God canceled our debt and published its cancellation by nailing it to the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. Through his sacrificial death, Jesus both embodies the death of human sin and wipes it out. And through baptism, you have been given God's full forgiveness. And through that forgiveness comes life. So this is how we have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. Let's go back to verse 6 for just a second. This is how we've received Christ Jesus, the Lord. How do we then walk in him? That's really what the the last two chapters of Colossians are all about, chapters 3 and 4. And over the next two weeks, we'll be talking about some practical ways we can walk in Christ in kind of our lifestyle and and our behaviors. The focus here in chapter 2 is really on, on believing faithfully. Um, And so we'll go through uh, just kind of the rest of this chapter quickly. Paul really gives us three warnings as we seek to believe faithfully about the truth of who God is and and what he's done for us. And, And Paul's first warning is to let no one take you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Paul's warning us against falsehoods and human traditions that have the appearance of wisdom, but that really seek to reverse the effects of your baptism and rob you of the gifts that God gave you there. Now, this philosophy and empty deceit could be an all-encompassing worldview that competes with Christianity, or it could just be an offhanded remark by a friend or, or somebody that you know. It could be an intentional lie, or it could be a very sincerely held belief. No matter what... If anything that you are told contradicts the truth that you know in Christ, do not let it deceive you, no matter what form it may take. It could be materialism, this this idea or this implication that life is all about getting bigger and better things. It could be kind of popular slogans like love is love, which sounds really, really nice and even Christian, but but on the inside is is kind of rotting from within because of the emptiness and, and the untruth that it's trying to convey. It could be the idea that that I have my truth and you have your truth and everybody's truth is equally valid. Don't be sung to sleep by these sorts of things. You were dead in your trespasses before God made you alive in Christ. And when it comes down to it, all these philosophies and empty deceit are trying to tell you one of two things. First, that you were never really dead in the first place and that your sins are non-existent and you're fine on your own. Or, on the flip side, that even with Christ, you're still dead in your trespasses and you need something more. You need to do something more. You need to receive something more to supplement Christ's finished work. And so that leads into Paul's second warning. Let no one pass judgment on you. 
Now here Paul's kind of talking specifically about Jewish ceremonial law, new moons and Sabbaths and things like that. But it applies to, to anything that someone would tell you you have to do to have a good relationship with God that God has not actually said. Now the things that God has said are, are not optional. And we have kind of this attitude today that, oh, you can't judge me. And I, I really think that attitude, while there's some truth behind it at times, really, generally speaking, should be far away from us. It kind of smacks of this spiritual immaturity and is laden with cultural influence much more than the influence of Christ. But Paul's point here is when human traditions and ideas are put alongside Christ, we should refuse to let anyone or anything call into question the saving relationship that we have with him by his spirit. And that's what Paul's third warning really is saying too. Let no one disqualify you. Back in Colossians 1, uh, Paul has said that God the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And what God has given, no one can take away. Your qualifications are Christ and Christ alone. Nothing else. Just Jesus. The Holy Spirit has rushed inside of you at your baptism. You have been filled with Christ. You have received power and eternal life. You were dead, but now you are alive in Christ. So don't let anyone tell you that you are dead. Just as death no longer has dominion over Jesus, death no longer has dominion over you. So let no one take you captive. Let no one pass judgment on you. Let no one disqualify you. You are filled by Christ with his spirit. You are his through the circumcision of Christ, buried and raised with him through baptism, forgiven of all your your sins, made alive forever and ever. And so that sound uh, from the Mario game is, is a really good one to hear. But infinitely better is hearing the word of the gospel spoken to our hearts. I pray that you've heard that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today Paul gave us uh, three warnings on, on how to, to kind of believe what God has said and to hold on to the truth of that extra life. Uh, starting next week, we're going to uh, unpack what Paul says in, in kind of some practical ways of how to, to live out the extra life that God's given us. Until then, may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.